Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, the show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Happy Valentine's Day. Ooh. And happy day after Pastor Rod's birthday. So romantic. Thank you. Yeah. It. No, it's actually, no, because... Uh, I, my oh, wait, on the today's the day after your birthday. Yeah. Tomorrow's the double day. After as we record it, it's a day after, but it's uh, two days Yeah, as of Valentine's Day. What'd you do for your birthday? Um, I ate. You ate. You went to some place that sells California food. Uh, Valerie's. Yeah. Valerie's. Uh, they have several locations. I went to the one in Prosper and it was uh, a San Diego based chain, uh-huh. small chain, but uh, Mexican food. So they get all their supplies from San Diego. Yep. So I, I respect that. It was good. I liked it. That's awesome. I, I remembered only after being there that Tim Payone suggested this place a long while ago. I just haven't gotten there yet. Shout out to Tim. Shout out to Tim. Thanks yeah. for getting me there. Finally finally got there. It was good. Well, I had, uh, on Tuesday, I had lunch with Albert Brasenio at uh, yeah. this place called Big Taco in McKinney. Big Taco. Yep. All right. It Sounds was, like Texas. It was good, but what I thought was really kind of cool, but also funny was Albert knows everybody in there. And they, I walked in with him and it was just the two of us in the, the shop or whatever. And I <laughs> ordered my gringo tacos and he just went off in Spanish for the rest of the ordering process <laughs> with the lady behind the counter. And they were talking and I, I had no got idea. A, got a discount for speaking Spanish. <laughs> I don't know. He was in his cop uniform too. So oh, like, extra discount. Extra discount. Multiple. Yeah. But uh, no, so that was good too. Yeah. Big taco. That, that was good. I, when I, when I you say it. gringo taco, did you get like a chicken nugget taco I, I had fish with tacos. ketchup on top? No, I had fish tacos. <laughs> Kitchen nu- chicken nugget taco. With, with ketchup because instead of salsa. With ketchup. Ketchup. It's a flour tortilla too. And some salt on top for spice. <laughs> Dude, flour tortillas, don't knock flour tortillas. They, they they taste better. They You know, they're good. They yeah. have a place. It's just the go-to. I find corn tortillas, they break too easy. And You got a bad corn tortilla. No. You got a bad one. I don't and they have so. to be made right. I mean, they just have to be made right, period. If we're going to use them. They have to be made right. You can't microwave them. Whatever, man. Look. I know most people microwave. My that, background, that's a bad decision. My heritage is German and British. Two people that have no idea about food whatsoever. So. <sighs> I don't know, man. Bratwurst, isn't that German? Yeah, it is. That's a good. That's a good thing. Yeah, I guess. Uh, Nutella? That's British, isn't it? I don't think so. I think Nutella's British. Sounds French. New- <laughs> okay, Nutella? <laughs> Do you say it with a French accent? I don't know. <laughs> How did you say it? I don't know. But hey, uh, this past weekend was the Super Bowl. And uh, did you watch the game, Pastor Rod? I did. Uh, I watched all of half of it. Half. And then I, and then I went to bed. Did you watch a halftime show? Yes, I did. With Usher? I did. A little throwback? I, I did watch it because just, I'm always curious, you know, what, what they do, the cultural kind of conversation. Yep. Alicia Keys, Little John showed up. Yeah. I, I Okay. So I, I heard something that I thought I misheard until someone's like, hey, this happened. And it was that Alicia Keys had this major like voice hiccup in the middle of her song or at the beginning of her song. She had this, uh, is it her, her voice broke. It was awful. Oh. I didn't notice. I, I did. It was really bad. Yeah. How much money goes into that halftime show? At least 30 bucks. Probably a little more than that. A little more than that. Yeah. She had some weird piano that was like a sculpture more than it was a piano. Oh, yeah. That was interesting. And dude, Usher's dance, he's always been a phenomenal dancer. But even now at 45. Like, Wait, what are you going to say? He's crazy. Like good? Yeah. Okay. I, well, I just am watching like, I'm going, I have no idea how you get your body to do that. <laughs> 
Again, British and German background, man. <laughs> yeah, okay. We can agree to disagree there. I, I don't know. It felt a bit cringe. Yeah? That's that's all. I, I, w- I was put off by it. And uh, not that I, I have, I've never been a, a fan fan of Usher. Yeah. Obviously not in my, my wheelhouse, but I don't know. I was watching it for the entertainment value to say, okay, what what's it's cool. You know, what's cool about it? I, I don't know. I just, his dance moves, I was just like, okay, that's a, you're a grown man, dude. Well, like some of that stuff, you just need to tone it down a bit. You're, you're not, you're not a young buck anymore. Yeah. You're not a teenager trying to pursue a hot babe. And by the way, Alicia's married, buddy. <laughs> Get your hands off of that man's wife. That's true. That was uncomfortable. I, the whole thing yeah. is uncomfortable, man. I, I was just like, okay, it's old guys trying to act young. Well, and it inspired my wife and I. And last night we decided- <laughs> you take dance classes now? No, we decided- Usher's dance class. That we would, uh, speaking of cringe, make our kids feel that because we decided on the the, uh, the computer device that plays music that we have in our house to throw on some- like '90s era pop music, like oh, we cool. listened to, to and Evan you guys and Jaren, dancing. <laughs> "Crazy for This Girl" and "O Town." I oh. want it all or nothing at all. Boys to Men, we threw wow. that on. Okay. Yeah, Four Seasons of Love. Did you dance? That's the question. Uh, I had a wooden spoon that I was using as a microphone. Oh wow! My 14 year old got out of the house as fast as he possibly could. Oh no, Josh, he should have stayed, man. Yeah, those but, are memories you want to talk about. But, but let's talk about let's talk about sports. No, for a second. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Because I, everybody knows I'm a I'm a diehard Rangers fan, and, uh, and even that phrase diehard, die right? hard. Like, I'm gonna die really hard, not soft, right? I'm gonna jump over a cliff, right? And we were talking about this before that there was one time that you decided that you would like a, a sports team, and then it didn't work well, and then you s- swore off sports for the rest of your life. But that's about how like it that. went. Like, Something like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm faithful to the story. I think more or less. What do we do? Because we've got a handful of people in our church that might be a little bit disappointed with the outcome of the Super Bowl. <laughs> Too soon. I know who, far too soon. who we're thinking about. I know this is painful. Yeah. I'm, I'm nervous. But how do we work through disappointment with something? Because God hardwired us to, to be competitive. Like that's part of who we are as a people. And we attach that to our fandom and we want to win. And, and it's exciting when a team wins, like my team that just won the world championship. Sorry yeah. to those people in our church whose team didn't. Um, although a different sport, my team wasn't even in the world championship in that sport. But anyways, how can we biblically cheer for a team Yeah, and deal with disappointment? I would love for you to answer that question okay. because you're a sports guy. So for me, I'm going to answer it differently than you would. Yeah. Why don't you no, start? that's fair. Uh, I have learned the art of turning a game off. Turning it off. Like yeah. like turning it off emotionally or just literally turning it Like turning it off, it off and walking away. Like during okay. – so baseball is my favorite sport, 162 games. If my team starts to struggle and it clearly looks like, man, this game's getting out of hand, I'll just turn it off. And it's not because, oh, I'm not a real fan. It's because I know that, quit. that it emotionally will – it will impact me. And I care about my family enough to say, you know what, I'm going to walk away from this because this is not going to put me in a good state of mind to be able to love my wife well and love mm. my kids well later on. Mm. So – um Maybe that's a weakness of mine, admitted. That's your one go-to. But uh, but I'll, I'll often shut it off. But I've also been a long-suffering Rangers fan for so many years. I just got used to losing. So I, I knew it was like, okay, well, they're going to lose. Um, and you still watch it? I do. You would still just watch the games watch oh, yeah. lose? Oh, for sure. Okay. Spring training is about to start. Pitchers and catchers report in two days. All or, right. well, one day now. Um, yeah. So I love right. it. I love it because it, it, it's, it's fun. But it, it is often convicting because it can become an idol in our hearts. Mm-hmm. And when it begins to Im- impact us emotionally and impacts our state of mind and it causes us to become angry or short with people that we love and care about, man, we're caring about something way too much that ultimately eternally doesn't matter. Why? Well, okay. Hold on, though. Why don't you say that's kind of the point, though? You, you, you watch these guys. You get invested. You learn their stories. You, you, you start memorizing stats. Isn't that kind of the whole point, PPJ? 
It is, but you don't have to be so invested. I, I think there's a way to approach it that says, okay, at the end of the day, this is still just a game. Like keeping that perspective and zooming out is is helpful to go, okay, this is this is one game. And like if you asked me, and, and I'm a big baseball fan, but if you were to ask me, hey, who won the World Series three years ago? I, like off the top of my head, I could not tell you. Mm. And that's three years. Like I, I know who won this year's because it was my team. So yeah, that's on the top of my head. But it, it just, it, it comes and goes and, and eternally speaking, it's not going to matter. So I think it's a, it can be a common grace that we can enjoy and it can bring people together and there can be that commonality and that fellowship and that community that can be good, but it can also be detrimental too. I see the value of things like that. And especially if you like some people, they had a, you know, Super Bowl party, you have, have people over, you have Why a good gotta time. Keep bringing up the people that are disappointed. I'm t- there's lots of people had Super Bowl parties and, and they're not the only ones. I see the value, the redemptive. Value. I see that. I also just see how easily it, I, I don't, man, I guess personally, the, the trouble that I found and just a, a few excursions and being in the sports realm is that I start to care too much. Yeah. And if my team loses, I feel bad. You and take it, it personally. hours. Yeah, that's yeah. my team. Those are my people. Why did my people lose? They should have won. They, bad call here. The coach did that. The ref said this. What's going on? Right. It just doesn't help me. And I guess I'm very practical in, in that I don't want to introduce things in my life that are going to create burdens that I don't need to carry. I would rather carry burdens that I want to carry. And I guess I see the value, the value proposition. I'm just afraid of the negative value. I don't want that. I'd like to have the positive without the negative. I know that's just not, that's not reality when it comes to sports. Right. Yeah. I wonder what sports in heaven will be like the new earth. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause we'll have bodies that are able to do athletic things. Sure. But we'll be able, like, we'll, everybody's a winner. Somebody will get knocked down. We'll be like, oh man, I'm so sorry. And we'll help them up. And Everyone like, gets a participation award. With every, everybody's shot. We'll be like, good shot. <laughs> It'll be like wee bowling where everybody's like, yay. <laughs> and the crowd jumps up and stuff. No, but just some thoughts. I mean, it, yeah, we, we, I, we get it. And, and so if that's you and you're out there, we get you. Yeah. Ooh. Just like he gets Ooh. us. Tune in this Sunday. <laughs> Speaking of that, tune in this Sunday for a special not a special sermon, a sermon in John. It just so happens the word of God speaks to uh, heretical commercials. Um, it hey, heretical. Uh, uh, borderline. Okay. Hey. But it wasn't like a mm. legit heretical. Uh, mm. Heretical as in, do you, do you mean like formal heresy? Like the, the commercial was formally heretical? I, or you didn't like what it suggested? I think it was dancing a fine line. I see. I, I, I don't like it. I think it miscommunicated truth. But I don't think it's you call it heresy. That's a big word. The H word isn't a word that we can just say like, yeah, that's a heretical. Okay, well, without the the commercial, because the commercial didn't say anything. But without the and, right, and so without the the writers here, but the assumption being that we should open arms, embrace all of these different things, and and that's what we're we're after, and that's the product of Christ's love in our lives. That's that's contrary to to biblical teaching. Okay, I don't know these guys either, so let me just defend them. I don't know them, but let me, best case scenario, they're saying, they're not saying to accept it. They said, love your name. I saw two commercials. I don't know how many there were, but I saw two because I only watched half the game. The The first one had to do, I think it was love your neighbor. He gets us. You should love your neighbor like Jesus loved his neighbor. Something to that effect. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I am offended that you're saying that I don't love my neighbor by this or that. Okay. The suggestion is there. I, I receive that. Uh, but I don't think that's in and of itself a heretical statement. It's just ill-informed in my estimation and it's a bad bad show bad game yeah i think it was loaded i think all of the examples that they used they weren't like love your neighbor who you know borrowed your lawnmower and never gave it back i think they were there were political and, sure. and 
Sure, because that, that's the most obvious. That, that's you know top shelf stuff. That that's the stuff that everybody feels. Yeah, and I, I th- yeah, and clearly that one was geared toward Christians. Right. That's why again I'm upset by it because I feel offended that you're calling me out for something I don't think I'm guilty of. Right. And I think there's what's unspoken speaks just as loudly in these commercials too. And I think it's it's what's communicated is hey the problem is you're, you're not doing these things. Instead, what you're doing is wrong. And, and that's where I would draw the line and say, that's where I think it, it does blur the line into that, which is other than what is orthodox. Um, but they didn't say anything. And I guess you're, you're right that what they don't say speaks volumes too, but they didn't communicate anything yeah. that was overtly heretical. Yeah. And there's more to their library, this particular ad company's library than just those two commercials that call into question there. That's true. There situation. Let's get into the text. That's why people are tuning in. Leviticus chapter five, six, and seven. If you want more on the, he gets us uh, Sunday morning, come Come to Bible church, North Texas, uh, Leviticus chapter five. Okay. We're into the Levitical law still what's going on. Here's the, the uh, prescriptions and what you should do. And so we get into, uh, what do you do with sins of omission? And so a sin of omission is, uh, something that somebody fails to do that God has commanded them to do. They're, they're, they're omitting the obedience. They're not doing it. And so in verses one through five, you've got this situation where a person sins in specific areas without realizing, but later comes to realize, oh man, I didn't do something that God commanded me to do. I omitted it. It it was left out. Verses six through 13, they're commanded then to give a purification offering. Uh, And here the blood is sprinkled on the altar and the rest is poured out at its base and the carcass of the animal is then presented as a burnt offering. And uh, they're given the option to bring a lamb or a goat, or if they couldn't afford that, they could bring two birds. And even if they couldn't afford that, that this interesting statement about a handful of flour, (laughs) they could just bring this handful of flour uh, to the priest and and bring that instead. But again, the the point here is sin demands life. And that's what you're going to see in a lot of this Levitical uh, setup here from, from this point forward is this, this constant reminder that our sin, even sins of omission, man, I, I, it's not that I did something wrong, but I didn't do something I was supposed to do. That's a sin that demands the life of an animal in my place. Um, and so it's a reminder of the, the cost of our sin. Yeah. I'm again, moved by the fact that God makes provisions for those who don't have provision. Yeah. God cares about the poor. He cares about those who, who don't have the needed sacrifice and he gives them an option. I'm, I, I'm moved by that. I'm grateful that God sees all of us, not just those who are the wealthy, but even those who are uh, really weak and needy. Yep. I appreciate that very much. Yep. Verses 14 through 16, then you get into the defiling of the holy things. This was probably somebody eating some of the food that was dedicated to God that had been offered and, and meant for the priest. And, and yet here's somebody and they're like, oh, I, I want a piece of that. And they eat it and they don't realize what they've done. And then they come to realize what they've done. Man, this is something, though, that God calls a breach of faith, a treacherous act uh, on par with adultery. So very strong language for this unintentional sin. And, and I think the reason being because of the significance of the holiness of God. And so the offender would have to buy a ram from the tabernacle uh, for a guilt offering, and he would repay and add a fifth on top of that to the total of what he had had taken from the holy thing. So um, th- this is uh, this is a lot, and it's a lot because again, God is trying to establish the boundaries between Him and the people that they. Uh, we one of our distinctives we seek to maintain a high view of God. God wanted His people to understand that that he was holy and they were not, and they were not to defile the things that were set apart and holy things that were his. I, I totally echo that. And, and I would, I would say the, the opposite is also an interesting thought exercise as well in that. Yes, he required a full Ram repayment, but he only added 20% on top of it. I mean, 
good. I mean, for the offending the holiness of God, hey, 80 rams. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. Give me your whole family. It's only, I mean, it's the, he replaces the ram and he adds 20%. I feel like, man, that's, that's a, that's a kind, merciful response from a holy God. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it is expensive. Yeah. That it is. That's a good point. Yeah. Verses 17 through 19. Then this is for the person that says, man, I, I, I sinned. I must've sinned. I, I don't exactly know what I did wrong. And so the safe assumption that's per- prescribed in the law is assume that your sin was the uh, of, of the greatest nature. And so we're going to apply to you the same rules that we apply for defiling the holy things just in case that's what it was. And so we're going to have you do that uh, as it was just detailed in verses 14 through 16 there. Does it make sense then for a Christian that for, for the particularly sensitive Christian, does, does this text give us cause to... I don't know. Look, I think I'm guilty. I'm, I might have sinned against the Lord. I might have committed the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I need to repent. I should repent. I, I, you know, I'm not sure I'm right with God. It seems to give some fuel to the soul that says, "Man, I, I know that I probably sinned against the yeah. Lord. I need, I need to go to Him. I need to repent. I need to confess. Um, help me work with that kind of person." maybe the person's listening and feels constantly guilty before God. Yeah. Is this, is this an encouragement? Well, I think there's, there's uh, layers here. Uh, Number one being, uh, is, is this because you've got a wounded conscience? Is this because you're seeing something that you're perceiving as God's discipline in your life? Is this because someone has confronted you on something and and you're, you're questioning, okay, did I do this? Did I do something like it? Uh, You know, if you've got a wounded conscience that this is just you and and you feel the the hand of God heavy upon your soul, that's how David described the, the, his conviction after his sin with Bathsheba. Now he could point specifically to that and go, I know what this is for. Uh, If this is because maybe you're seeing, you're struggling, something's going on in your life and you're going, maybe this is God's discipline in my life and that's why this is happening. Uh, What sin do I have in my life? That's a a good exercise, but that's not necessarily always going to be the case that you're suffering because of sin. In fact, we're going to get to John 9 when the disciples say, hey, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus is going to say neither one. That, mm. That's not the situation here. And then third, if, if somebody has confronted you and you go, well, I don't think I'm guilty of what they've said I did, but maybe I'm guilty of something else that's along those lines. Yeah, I think there's a reason for us to examine ourselves. Now, you brought up the sin of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I, I don't think that that's something that's still on the table for believers mm. um, because as it's defined in scripture, it's it's attributing to uh, the the devil, the works of Jesus. That's that's what blasphemy of the Holy Spirit was. The, the, the miracles that Christ performed were performed under the power of the Holy Spirit by Jesus in his flesh. And so the the Pharisees are saying, you're of the house of Beelzebul. The, mm. you're, you're Satan doing this. That was the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, to take the Holy Spirit and make him common, to take the Holy Spirit and degrade him. So I don't think that's something that's still on the table for us today, only because Jesus isn't still here doing miracles in our sight today as far as walking on water, feeding the 5,000, so forth and so on. So helpful. Good to have a tender conscience, but yes. make sure that your conscience is informed by scripture. Yep. Yeah. Chapter six, then verses one through seven, we get into breaking an oath or even deceiving again, breach of faith. Same language is used in verse two, as was used up of defiling the holy things. This is a serious thing. God values our integrity and our word. And uh, this one was to repay the defrauded person uh, plus one fifth plus again, another 20% um, there to the, the person that they had offended. And they were also then to bring the ram for the guilt offering. And, uh, and offer that to the Lord because in breaking their oath, they most likely would have sworn this oath by the name of Yahweh. And so Yahweh needed to be appeased as well in this situation. Verses 8 through 13, then we get uh, instructions here in, in this section and in the next 
three or four of caring for the priests care for the various offerings. So eight through 13 is the care for the burnt offering. The, the burnt offering was to be in a perpetual state on the altar. That, so the priest needed to make sure that the altar was tended and that the ashes were disposed of and, uh, and that, that, that fire was to be kept going. And, and that was a, a physical reminder of a spiritual reality, the, the, the need for God's forgiveness, the need for God's grace. And so that, that fire on the altar would, would always remind the people of that. And that it was always available. Yep. That God was always ready to forgive, ready to offer restitution if the humble sinner would just come and bring his offering. Yeah. Verses 14 through 18, then caring for the grain offering. And uh, what stuck out to me there is God cares even about the, the grain and the flour that's, that's part of the portion not burnt up on the altar. Like he cares about every single grain of that fistful of, of flour, whatever it is, uh, being used for the purpose that it's to be used for, for his holiness, for his worship. And so that was dedicated to the priest. They needed to make sure that they cared for how that was, was used. Um, grain offering continues then in verses 19, uh, through 23. Um, uh, and, uh, am I right on that? Am I? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 the 19 to 23 still. Okay. Yeah. yeah, thank you. All right. Um, there, it was offered on the, the day of the, the priest's anointing, uh, and it was to be completely burned so that none was to be left over. Oh, this is the priest's grain offering. Sorry, my notes were confusing me on that. So you had the commoner's grain offering that, that the priest would get a portion of it, but the priest's grain offering that the priest brought would be burned completely. And so there were some different rules and regulations there and how they were to go about conducting and, and caring for those things. Sin offering then in verses 24 through 30, um, the offerings were given to the Lord. And he cared how they were handled beyond the sacrifice itself. Uh, God's concerned that the holy things not be treated as common. Even that earthenware vessel, if, if the meat is boiled in an earthenware pot, that earthenware pot had to be shattered so that it wouldn't be used for anything common after that because it was used for something consecrated. And then washing uh, the thing accidentally splashed with blood even, that that blood was consecrated. So that if that blood spattered and got on the hem of somebody's garment that was standing around, uh, when they, they slit the animal's throat or whatever that would be, man, they, they had to go and wash that garment because it had been uh, not defiled, but it had blood that was consecrated on it. And to be on something unclean would have to bring would have been to bring defilement on the object of worship. Real quick, you said something important that I wonder if other people are feeling the weight of. Now, these guys are professional slaughterers. There's live animals being brought in, lots of blood all over the place, lots of animals perhaps bleeding and, and neighing or whatever sounds they make where it seems pretty brutal. Yeah. These guys are just taking out these animals in, in a really awful way. Um, I think just to, just to state it here, and some of us are animal lovers. Uh, this is probably a very merciful way for an animal to die. Yeah. If an animal in the wilderness is being, uh, if it's taking the natural course of, of existence, they're not going to die in a pleasant way. They're not going to die of old age, you know, feasting on the grass and having a great time. They're probably going to die at the hands of a predator, which is not going to go well for them. That's in fact, there's a, there's an account on Instagram that I follow that is don't follow it. It's, it, it's called, you're going to really don't follow it. <laughs> don't Here's follow what it's called. It's, it's about how animals die. Let me just say that yeah. it's about how animals die and it's, it's painful. Yeah. I don't know why I keep watching it because it's just so fascinating because I, I, I never see this as we're city slickers, all of us, unless you happen to be one of the few people listening to us in the middle of America. But other than that, most of us are city slickers. We never see animal death. And so to read this, we may miss it or be troubled by the fact that that's what's happening every day at the, at the temple or the tabernacle rather. So don't be troubled. I think this is a merciful way for an animal to die, even though the animal is certainly suffering. Yeah. They're suffering in a way that is probably better than how they would die naturally. Yeah. There was a dead bunny on the side of the road the other day and I saw turkey vultures eating it. So I, I can resonate with those in the Midwest. <laughs> 
totally. appreciate that you threw the Midwest out there. So like, this <laughs> is the Saharan desert out there. Animals are dying all over the place. No, I'm just saying like, they, well, I'm, I'm thinking farmland in particular. Look, kids, there's the St. Louis Arch and look at the tiger going after the gazelle. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking farmland, I guess. And we have farmland around here. You just don't see a lot of slaughtering taking place is what I'm getting at. Fair. Fair. Yeah. Also, it's just a reminder too, though, of, you know, the, the creation mandate that, that we are to exercise dominion over the creatures. And, uh, and there is a difference in value between the life of a human being and the life of an animal. And that's Which one's more valuable. The life of the human being. Okay. Just check Every single, we're not going to go back into that conversation. Again. <laughs> uh, all right. Chapter seven, then we get into caring for the guilt offering in verses one through seven, even down to the skin of the animal and, it, and what, what would happen to the skin of the animal? The priest gets the skin. The priest that offered the animal gets the skin of that animal for clothing, for warmth, for blankets, whatever they may use it. For That's there. cool. Yeah. Verses eight through 10, then even kind of dividing the leftovers among the priests, the burnt offering, the grain offering that talk about how that's going to be split up and what that's going to look like. Uh, verses 11 through 21, caring for the peace offering. Uh, they go through the different categories. Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving offering, there's to be none left over. They were to eat all of it at that moment. The free will offering, though, there could be some left over until day three. And so they could eat leftovers until the third day, and then they had to get rid of all of it on day three. And then uh, as that section wraps up, the, just the admonition to be careful how you come to the feast, lest any unclean who ate would be cut off. There's that language again there that we talked about. Mm-hmm. And so even how you approach, you need to make sure that you're not defiled as you come to the feast, that you need to do so in a holy manner, in a manner ready to worship the Lord. Why three days? Uh, maybe no refrigeration. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. The only thing I can think of is preservation. Right. Hard to preserve meat for that long. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Verses 22 through 27 then, um, no fat, no blood. To eat the fat or the blood would be to eat of the things that belong to the Lord. And the result was, again, this person would be cut off from the people. So this was significant, uh, really significant. Verses 28 through 36, then chapter 7 kind of ends, which is general instructions on caring for the priests, uh, that the people should respect the priests. The priests were going to be cared for by him. And uh, verse 36, it's a perpetual due throughout their generations, that God was going to continue to care for his people, his Levites that were caring for his tabernacle, his sanctuary. Why is blood, I mean, help help the, the novice reader here understand yeah. the, the role of blood in not all the offerings. Why can't you eat it? Yeah, blood represented the very life of the animal. And so the life of the animal was given to God. That, that life had to be uh, offered to him and to him alone. And so he... The, the the blood representing all that. And that's why I think they take the, the rest of the blood and they pour it out at the basin of the, the, the altar there after sprinkling it on or rubbing it on the altar or the veil in front of the, the, uh, the Holy of Holies, they, they would dump the rest of it out because it was an offering of the entire lifeblood of the animal to the, to the Lord. So d- does that have any implications in when we go get steak, if we get it nope. medium rare, is that in any way a sin for a Christian today? No. No, because it's it's not we're we're not under the temple sacrificial system anymore. The sacrificial system has been fulfilled by Christ at the cross, um, and I think we even get some of this when Peter in in the book of Acts in chapter ten he has the vision and the mm-hmm. the, the sheet descends and there's all the unclean animals and God says arise kill and eat, and Peter says no 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 I'm not going to do that and God says okay let's do this again <laughs> arise kill and eat, um, and so I, it, there's even some understanding there as we'll get into the dietary restrictions shortly here uh, that even those things have changed now post-cross. So it's pretty well known that Jehovah's Witnesses don't do blood transfusions because of passages here in the Old Testament that talk about not consuming blood. Is is that the same thing? Nope. Yeah. Again, no, it's, it's what it symbolized, what it stood for within the context of the sacrificial system. 
and we are no longer bound by the laws that have to do with the sacrificial system. We're no longer bringing our sacrifices, bringing our offerings um, in that same way because that all was meant to point to Christ. And so now the ultimate, that, that which the blood pointed to is the blood of Christ. And the blood of Christ now has been spilt. The blood of Christ has been shed and that's what cleanses us now. And so the, the, the cleansing element of the life of the animal, the lifeblood of the animal, pointed to Jesus. Jesus has fulfilled that. So now your stake, the, the blood of your stake doesn't atone for your sins. The blood of your stake doesn't represent Jesus' blood. The blood of your stake is, should be cooked off in my opinion, but whatever. That's, a, that's another story. Um, so it's not the same thing anymore. Okay. That's helpful. No further questions, Your Honor. <laughs> I rest my case. All right. Speaking of resting your case, we're going to rest this episode. Join us again tomorrow as we keep studying God's Word together. Keep reading your Bible. See you then. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.